Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Constructing the Clubhouse, the only podcast about building a comedy club during a pandemic. <laughs> in Barcelona. In Barcelona, in Champla. I'm your host, Dr. Matthew John Murtha. Joining me, of course, is the beautiful John Ellis. Hello, everybody. Okay, great, John. Good work. Guys, we have a fantastic I'm ask episode. ask them how they are. What do you mean? What? I, no, you did. No, I'm telling you, a compliment. You did exactly what I wanted you to. Okay, enthusiastic enough for you. Good. Absolutely. Uh, no, we have a great episode for you today. Today, we have our most famous guest by far to date, uh, the wonderful comedian, touring comic, and social media darling, Mr. Dragos Christian. It's good to be here, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. I've Dragos. I've been, been enjoying uh, doing comedy at the clubhouse for the past couple of weeks, so it's good to, you know... Partake in the podcast. Thank you. That's uh, just what you should have said. <laughs> See that? Even, <laughs> even famous people love the clubhouse. That's good. Um, Dragos, why don't you give us, uh, rather than I'll, I could read your comedy CV to you, but I think you could explain yourself a little better. Like uh, what you've done, how long you've been in the game. I mean, I haven't actually been in the game that long. I've been doing comedy since like around 2016. Uh, and I started oh, okay. doing it originally like in Singapore. I was working there. Then I've moved over to uh, with my job to Estonia. I've done a little bit of comedy in Estonia, where there is an English scene, believe it or not. Really? Uh, yeah, it's, it's surprise. I was surprised as well. I was like, what? Estonia? What? Uh, and then basically, I, uh, I came to Barcelona, did some shows back, I think it was 2016 or 2017, mm-hmm. with uh, Chris Groves, you might be familiar. Yeah. Um, I think Hashtags are still around there. And then uh, I was like, okay, there's a lot of opportunity to do comedy in Europe. So I, I wanted to you know, do it full time. But in order to do it full-time, I had to kind of get an understanding of uh, what exactly would it take for me to become a professional comedian in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the number one thing that I came to the conclusion was I need stage time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't... Amen. Yes. Stage time, stage time, stage time. So basically, That's the one thing everyone says. Yeah. Any advice from anyone, that's the one common thread. And then I was kind of like... I did a little bit of a, I did a spreadsheet because I'm very like numbers heavy. And I was like, I made a list of all the open mics in Europe... Uh, and obviously, you know, the, the largest number of open mics at that time was in the UK. Uh, Easily. But the number two was Berlin. Uh, and at that time, there was about like 25 open mics a week. Wow, okay. Yeah, so then I figured it'd be a lot easier to get an, an open mic in Berlin than it would be in uh, in London, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I moved to Berlin and I started doing open mics. Uh, and, you know, started doing... Every day I was getting up on stage, right? So basically, yeah. Yeah, cool. uh, I, would, I would catalog all my stage time in the spreadsheet. And I was doing maybe like 30 minutes, 45 minutes of stage time a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that for a couple of months, and then I was like, "Well, how do I go further? Because if I want to, you know, be professional, like you know, like Louis or like you know, like fucking Chris Rock or whatever, uh, you need fucking to Chris fucking Rock. Chris Rock, like all these big guys, guy. big guys, right? Yeah. Or like um, some of the other big names. I was like, these guys are doing one hour a day. Yeah. You know, I was like, how the fuck am I ever gonna get one hour a day in Europe? Um, so then I was like, well, I have to go tour around Europe. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to a couple of places at that time. I think Luxembourg, Belgium, you know, all these Western kind of like English speaking countries. And then I was like, hello, it is I. I am a small Romanian <laughs> comedian. I would love to do one hour comedy show at your club. It's an amazing Romanian accent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and then they'd be like, spot on. Lol. Yeah, like, well, who are you? First of all, whatever. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh-huh. Like, who are you? You don't, nobody knows you. No, like, we have, one guy said, we have real comedians here from the UK brutal yeah and then nobody would want to give any form of stage time right so then like it, like, it was incredible like all the like I was reaching out to like Sweden like Norway you name mm-hmm. it right like they were like no replies nothing so I was like but you, you were wanting you were basically writing and wanting to do a, like yeah. longer stage you wanted to do 20 minutes or something yeah. you were asking for longer periods yeah of time. I did like you know because I was doing like let's say uh, 20 minutes in like Berlin and I did like maybe some of these guest spots like somewhere in like Czech Republic I had a friend mm-hmm. of mine who runs the show in Olomouc 
uh, and I did like 30 minutes and I was like, yeah, 30 minutes. And I went there, I did 30 minutes and it, you know, it hit, everything was hitting the right way. Okay. Right. So I was like, oh yeah, just fucking get more 30 minutes, you know, and then yeah. do that. So then I worked more material. So I, I was at the point that I was like, yeah, I have like about an hour, you know, maybe we've in some crowd work. I, I can, you know, sell some tickets and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then there was no one would give you the stage time. Yeah. You were contacting established shows and clubs? Yeah, I just Googled okay. comedy Amsterdam, comedy oh, okay. you know, place. This, this, was, this was not a <clears throat> complex process. Just like, then yeah. I would reach out and send an email and they'd be like, you know, what the no. fuck? Yeah, no. yeah, no, exactly. Because then, you know, there's so many things in, involved with it. They would ask you for like, uh, send me a clip. And then, oh, this clip's not good enough. Or like, this clip is not enough views. Or, you know, there's always an excuse, right? Right. For not giving you. And then, why the fuck? Uh, the other point is like, who's going to come to your show? Mm -hmm. we're gonna have to spend time and promote your show but no one's gonna come see it right right so like why would they risk their you know time and you know sure you kind of want to know that there's gonna be people in your place and, 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 and look and it's whatever. not to be like uh bitter about it or anything but it, it made sense because like you know what, mm -hmm. the, what the fuck is this guy yeah so what did you do so basically i knew that there were other people doing shows like this uh around uh, when i was in singapore basically i met a couple of guys who were just touring around um and then they're just doing their own facebook ads so I was like, fuck, I can do Facebook ads. And then, because like, mm -hmm. there was uh, this guy called Rachman Blake. He runs yeah. like a, a He's thing called, through. Yeah, called Story Party. Yeah. And then I knew him and I opened up for him like in, in Singapore. And I, you know, I spoke with him and he was like, hey, we're just running this stuff. And you know, I went to the show and I was like, uh, yeah, this is an interesting show. And I feel like, you know, it's an interesting format. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the comedy that they do is very similar to, you know, the, the level that I was at at the time in my mind. Yeah. So I was like, there's no reason why this wouldn't work for me. Mm -hmm. you know so then I was like because uh, basically he was saying the same thing he was like there's no reason to uh, you know wait for these people they're never gonna give you an opportunity right so then I was like I could probably do the same thing that they're doing right sure so, so, so then I just it was like I read up, read up a bit on watched a couple of videos on how to do Facebook ads I uh, you know read some blogs about Facebook ads and then mm -hmm. I started experimenting with those Facebook ads in Berlin and I was you know, running open mics yeah and then there's putting 20, 30 euros in the, in the ads. And then people were coming to the show. How did you mm -hmm. come? I was, I is, the, is the big secret just to give Facebook a ransom of 50 euros? And I mean, it is. A lot of times, basically, it's just the more money you throw, it, the, it solves the problem. And it's, yeah. it's, that's like simplifying it. Of course, you know, you have to know what to tweak and what kind of stuff to, to work with as well in terms of the audience. You, understand, you have to understand who's coming to the shows <laughs> and learn a bit of how to use the, the platform. But uh, at the end of the day, is yeah, it's it's just throwing a lot of money at it, and then um, yeah, because you're basically we, we have you on the show because you're you're basically a hero of our level of comedy <laughs> for going out and producing your own solo shows, basically, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. Just to give a bit of context to the listeners, yeah. Uh, in 2019, I did um, 120 shows in 80 cities around Europe. Nice. Cool. So now it's good. Yeah. When you say 120, like 120 solo shows, or those solo shows. five minutes? No, spots? one hours. Yeah. It's 120 one-hour shows. In 80 days. Uh, no, in 80 cities. 80 cities. Across okay. one year. One year. So, yeah. so you're probably the most well-traveled, or at least the, the comedian I know that's been involved in the most amount of scenes. I, well, th that's the thing is, because a lot of times I wouldn't have enough time to kind of go in and you know say hi to the scene, right? Because okay. like, you have to understand that I'm booking the tickets. I'm booking the venue, I'm booking the, you know, the ads, mm -hmm. like it's nonstop work all the time. Right. Like, like, I'm, like <laughs> not even joking. And you're not, uh, you're not really seen reliant at all. Like you could, could have come to Barcelona yeah. and you didn't, thank goodness, but you could have come to Barcelona <laughs> and just said, you know what, well, stuff you guys, I'm going to find my own venue well, and do my own show. Presumably. Actually, I did that twice. <laughs> you did do that. I, I had the pleasure of uh, opening for Dragos uh, yeah. when he came, I and think it, the last time. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, to like, 
uh, create like tension in the scene or anything. It was just like, you know, I reached out to, I think at the time it was Hannah, and I was like, you know, I want to do like an hour, and they're like, we can't, maybe we'll give you 20 minutes yeah. of hash hash, right? So I was like, okay. So they just found like, um, there was like a bar, Flaherty's or something, mm-hmm. that one. They were like, okay, we'll do it. And then you know, it came through. I was here a day, did that, left the next day, right? Yeah. I hate Flaherty's. Yeah, it's it's not the it not, wasn't it's not an ideal venue. It wasn't the best venue. Yeah, <clears throat> but you're able to do that, and if you want that sort of stage time, and yeah. you're fairly unknown, yeah. that, then that's just what you yeah. have to do. You have to figure out how to do that. It's kind of new comedy the yeah. way it seems and to be going. That's the thing as well. It's not a lot of the venues that I did comedy were not the ideal venues for comedy. Yeah. It's fucking nightmares. Some of them, and they're like, there was I did a show in, in the Hague where this guy was like the stage was next to the kitchen, and this guy was like frying fish right my whole hour. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nightmare, and then I had fifty people in the audience paying to see comedy all and the time. I'm surprised by how little like bartenders know, and they will just come and like loudly ask for drinks or just like shake cocktails in them a little bit. Like, a, just people don't. Care. Such a disrespect to ask for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, a lot of times they were not the ideal scenarios, but the reality of the matter was that there was enough demand for English stand-up comedy mm-hmm. in that particular city that people did not mind that uh, they were like, "Oh, this is pretty, pretty cool." Do you think it helps quite a lot being um, Romanian? Like, I, I know Barcelona has a huge Romanian yeah. population at the show that I performed with you at. There yeah. was a lot of Romanians that had come, but you think that's a negative, if anything? No, it doesn't help a lot. Does, actually, to the contrary, I would reach out to the bars, because the biggest problem is finding a venue to do the show, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times it'll be like, well, nobody wants to, nobody has ever done an English comedy show in the city, and I've had this in cities in Romania, no one's going to come. That's what the bar tells me, right? Mm-hmm. So then I have to kind of hard sell the bar and look, what I'm going to do is we're going to take it on a Tuesday. How many people do you have on a Tuesday? 30 people? Well, I'm going to get you 50 people. I'm going to pay for all the ads. You know, worst case scenario, you know, you don't lose anything. I lose all the money. So that's the, that's the pitch, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, this guy's a bit local. And <laughs> Crazy. <messed> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we did that. And a lot of times it worked out well. You know, sometimes it didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. But most of the times it worked out well. And uh, the, the truth of the matter is that, you know, whether it's Romania or like Lithuania or like, you know, even like Norway... A lot of the people in those countries, especially in the capital, they consume so much American media. They watch stand-up comedy on Netflix. They they knew Bert Kreischer podcast. They mm-hmm. knew Tio Vaughn, you know, in Lithuania, you know? Sure. Yeah, so they're like, well, I can't believe there's Tio Vaughn in Lithuania. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. And you're like, what the fuck? But then because everybody consumes so much stuff from the U.S., there's already the market there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just because it's such a high barrier to entry to do stand-up comedy in English, in the country where they don't speak English normally, mm-hmm. they just don't get it, right? Yeah. So then, uh, but they consume it. They, they will actually watch it if, if it comes. So then, you know, I just did that and, uh, you know, go went from one city to another. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of work and it kind of went into this... this uh, space where like you know because the, the problem is it's also because you're doing the shows by yourself you don't know um if the if show, if some shows make money some shows lose money and a lot of times basically if you hang around for like five days doing nothing you just burn money and you're going mm-hmm. in the minus right so you kind of get caught in this idea of like i need to keep doing shows to be able to keep living afford to yeah. sure so you get into this because comedy it seems to me sometimes that well, two things. Number one, you, you pretend to be good before you are good, yeah. <laughs> and then you sort of create a show, and then you sell the show, and you start doing the show, uh, and then you become good based on the show yeah, you're yeah. doing. And the second thing is that people effectively decide when they want to become professional. So you kind of take the leap, and then some people, I think, do it, and they're like, oh shit, now I'm professional, and now I have to do it, and it becomes this yeah. thing. And every single show you do, you're sort of having to squeeze and having to... Uh, and it seems to me to be quite stressful. That yeah, do you still have a day job? Uh, I don't know. No. Well, during the pandemic, basically, because there was no shows going on, yeah. I, uh, you know, I had to. I got like a writing job, 
Uh, but it was like I didn't look for it. It kind of came to me uh, oh, nice. because I was doing so many shows. And, you know, I was so like in Berlin, I was doing shows every night, everywhere. And I was mm -hmm. also doing like a meetup, meetups for writing, comedy meetups, like everything yeah. that was comedy related, like on any platform. It was, I, was, I was there either participating or associated with it. Uh, and uh, basically, there were some people from Comedy Central that came to the shows, and they were like, uh, I was doing a writing workshop during the afternoon for free for anybody who showed up. Nice. Just to kind of, you know, force myself to write. Yeah. And then they showed up to that, and then they were like, oh, this is pretty interesting. And then I got a cool. writing gig for the uh, for the pandemic. So I was writing some stuff for the YouTube. Ah, awesome, so man. Didn't starve. That's great. <laughs> but uh, it's just being present at all times. Uh huh. Yeah. Always doing something. Yeah, exactly. always, something always being there. Yeah. You never know when the opportunity is going to come, but yeah, if you're yeah. there, then some it's going to come from somewhere. Exactly. Right? Like any event you'd go, I'd be there. Like even if I didn't get a spot, I'd just be the audience watching. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh wow. Yeah, because like even watching other comedians is extremely valuable for you as a comedian to get better. Yeah. Because you see where that guy fucked up. You see where that guy fucked up. You see, and they're like, okay, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Which is how mm -hmm. you learn, you learn what not to do, and then you know you also see this guy <laughs> doing well, this guy doing well. You see a lot what of what not to do around here. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think the because again, it's the best way to learn is through you know let other people make all the mistakes because sure. it's it's difficult to it's difficult to to kind of say like do this, this is the right thing because the right thing is different for other people, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times uh, you can see like oh that didn't work. That didn't work. And there's more of that going around everywhere, whether it's yeah. like Berlin or Barcelona. People make consistent, you see other comedians make consistent mistakes that yeah. are across various comedians it, and you say, okay, I'm not going to do exactly. that. Exactly. One, one, one simple example would be like, for example, in Berlin for a long period of time, people would not be holding the mic close enough to their mouth. Yeah. yeah. You know? And the, yeah, for sure. First one. And you can't, you can't hear what the fuck is happening, right? Like people would hold it here. Like I'm, I'm pointing towards my chest <laughs> or they would hold it like here or it just. I did that. Yeah, because you see on you see the comics with the big spe televised specials, and like Chris Rock and Anthony mm. Jeselnik are the two, I think, guilty of it. They keep because they have a sound crew, they can mm. turn the mics up, mm. but they keep it down at their chest. They're Mr. Cool guy, yep. and it's low. Right, and then you try to do that at Bob's bar. Yeah, with a, a shitty amp and a terrible microphone, and nobody will hear you. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, or like you know, you see people looking at the floor, and you're like, oh fuck, I shouldn't do that. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're gonna get into more sort of what you're up to these days and, and you've got a big uh, sort of online social media presence but I'm quite interested in that first step from when you went from you said you were doing you know every day in Berlin but you're doing about 35 minutes of stage time a week so seven minutes a night yeah and then at some stage you really had to make this big jump between doing the the seven minutes and the 45 minutes or the yeah. hour show you were doing and it's like this pretend to be good before you are good mm. type thing. I imagine there's probably a few shows that you were doing when you started out that you weren't quite prepared for the full hour. I mean... Uh, is there anything that stands out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did a show in... Uh, what's it called? In, 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 in Bratislava. And then basically what had happened was, uh, you know, it went okay-ish. And, uh, you know, there was some like, uhs and uhs. And, you know, I was listening to it afterwards. It, was, mm -hmm. it wasn't like the, the most the smoothest thing. But the advantage, like, I think one thing that I learned from that was, like, the people don't know any better, you know? Right. You know? Okay, so they, they don't know what bad comedy is. Yeah. They don't know what your best comedy is, so you might be disappointed by it, but they've still taken something And a lot of it's... times they, like, yeah, they don't know how, what they expect, you know? They, uh -huh. A lot of times they don't come with high expectations, and even in that scene, a lot of times it's not about them coming to a comedy show, which I think was the most helpful thing, it's about coming to an English event. Right. You know, because a lot of times the people that would come to the, the shows, for example, in these non-native speaking countries, they would come to practice their English. Mm -hmm. They would come with their, uh, they had like, let's say there was a local that was married to like an expat. 
and then the expat has nothing to do in that fucking country. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's female or male doesn't matter. So they're like, look, oh, it's in English, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it didn't matter that it was some random, you know, Romanian or like you know, random dude. It was something in English. They're just happy to have something. Exactly, something exactly. And the, that was the thing. So you know, in that situation, then you kind of get a bit more comfortable about it because mm-hmm. you realize that. It's not a one-way conversation where they're giving you money and you're like forced. They're also getting value just by being there. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the 10 euros that they're paying is not that much. It's not a lot of money. Yeah, yeah right. People yeah. can take that hit. You're not, yeah. not charging crazy amounts. It's not like this crazy financial risk that they're taking, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you have... Does that mean that the audience has selected you more than you selected your audience, you think? I think And the, like who's, who's become fans after this time? I think it's people that like, uh, you know, I also, after a couple of those sessions, I also I was like, okay, clearly this resident, because you see who laughs harder, right? Mm. You see like the Eastern Europeans, they laugh harder at Eastern European stories. So I tried to kind of orient it a bit in that direction to kind of understand what the audience is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I would like maybe do some ads on Facebook that were targeting people with uh, the Facebook in that particular language, because it's like the language of the ads. Yeah. And um, yeah, a lot of times they would enjoy like the, the travel stories as well. It's... Um, but the number one thing that people would always want to is the, the, the event in English in that country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how much this particular trope is going to keep, you know, keep getting people to the audiences, to the shows, which I feel, I still think it's going to work for the next couple of years. Well, the yeah. next thing I'm really curious to know about is whether or not this style of comedic development is going to work in the States. Can you self-produce your own 100-seat shows in the U.S.? With a, already with a sort of established comedy <clears throat> infrastructure. Yeah, because... You know the the U- United States and I, I'm guessing the UK they have they have like you said yeah. an infrastructure a club system really. they right. have a touring route right you get onto system. the you get onto yeah. the circuit and that's that, that's what you do that's a very yeah. good point and I think you know the that's one of the reasons why the shows in the UK didn't do that well because like you know my my number one tag was like English stand up. That's not really what that was in the UK. I'm Romanian yeah. doing the stand up. Yeah, 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 turns out whole sure. stand up is English in the, in the UK, so they didn't do that well. But then, yeah, I was thinking about this. How would you approach the UK market or the um, uh, British market, uh, the, the American market? You'd maybe take advantage of the infrastructure and then try to sell yourself to the clubs and get an agent. Or if you want to do it by, by yourself, you just do like, you know, the hottest European comic. You do like a little, yeah. you know, you, in the ads, you do something a bit more spicy. You, you think know? it's just a promotional yeah, question? Yeah, and I think people, people, people are happy to, you know, there is a interest and fascination in US because I guess maybe you're American, maybe able to confirm or not. People don't travel as much. Yeah. But if something comes from straight from Eastern Europe to Baltimore, uh-huh. you know, yeah, might be. Oh, maybe I don't. The I sexy imagine, theme as well that seems to be popular these days. You guys named your show. You did here adults only comedy, yeah, and yeah, yeah. someone yeah, else did one that was yeah. something hub like. Pornhub, but yeah, the, the sexual stuff sells, dating stuff sells, people um, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah failing in love is, is, is selling a lot. And even a show like Culture Shock, if you do the format Culture Shock, for example, in, in, in Europe, it'll it'll self filter people that feel that they're more like more attached to culture. Yeah, and you know, in America, you have a lot of people that are like, well, I'm actually Italian. Yeah, never been mm-hmm. to Italy. You know, I'm a Greek. My so father's weird German. People ask me if I'm Irish. Yeah, I'm like, wow. And when I'm in Ohio, I say I am. Yeah. Sorta. Yeah. yeah. Did did you do a fringe show before starting to tour? You were just like, man, I want to do ours. Get, I didn't do. I just uh, I just because again I wasn't confident enough at the time. But I, I went to the fringe for two weeks mm-hmm. and I just did spots. Okay. And I think that was really the big push because uh, I well, you know when you go to the fringe you see the the utter amount of trash, <laughs> right? Yeah. It is you know? so like if these people are confident enough to book a venue and do a show for thirty days, 
Uh, that really, like, going to the fridge was really a, an eye-opener for me because I was like, you know, I'm not at the bottom of the totem pole, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and have you been to the fringe? Yep. Several there, times. There's some shows that are absolute Terrible. trash. Yeah. Trash. And there are people giving money. Yeah, fucking here's my money. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I was disappointed to find out, especially coming from the States, the fringe was a big deal in, in my mind. And then I find out that uh, literally anybody can go. Anybody you know? can go, like, yeah. Anybody is all you need is to the will. Yeah. Then you find the venue, you book it, and then you take on the costs, and, and literally anybody. It feels like a just a, a massive month of just slogging away, though. And like for me at the moment, I love doing comedy in a, in Barcelona, mm. like a relaxed environment. Mm. If I can set up shows where I'm not competing against every other comedian yeah, yeah. in the whole world, that feels like it'd be good. You know. I think the fun thing was that you also get the. Uh, this is a time signal. Ah, uh, okay, I see. I, I might want to try the camera as well because I don't know if it's going to restart. But I just uh, can cut this out. You're at, you're at 15. Yeah, okay. Cool. But the uh, the thing about the fringe is you also... Because you get to see the, the absolute... The, the bottom of the barrel shit shows. But you also see the high, very good ones. Right, well. for sure. So it really gives you a, a, a accurate framework to understand where you're, where you're at in the space. Yeah. And then I was just doing shows all over the place. And you can, you know, some of them are like mixed nuts kind of shows. And you know, only British audience, some of them are international audiences. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, so you go from a show that kills to one that like nothing works. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough But it's, it's a good, it's, uh, I, for example, I was thinking, I was talking to some friends of like we, whether we would want to do shows this year at the Fringe and probably the answer is not because it's still so much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But even the year after, like the only kind of like solid reason to do a show is to just to get more and more and more stage time. Yeah. If you want to get the practice in before you go around touring. But, right. But if the effort to create a Fringe show and do all the promo for it and all the money involved, I just feel like you can get the same, same stage time elsewhere if you're willing to kind of make that leap. Yeah, and that's basically what I was thinking of doing as well instead of like, that's why I didn't do the Fringe 2019. Because mm-hmm. I was like, my logic was like, uh, I would just stay in Berlin for the month of August. Because like in summer, it's a bit more difficult to sell shows. Yeah. Because people prefer to be outside and see some random... Yeah. Like, um, so then I just stayed in Berlin and I, you know, I continued finding the venue, mapping out a different kind of route. And yep. then when September came, boom. Shows. When you were in Berlin, did you do your, your solo much? Yeah. yeah, I did it like maybe two or three times just yeah. to test it out. And you know, no like free entry donation kind of stuff. Right. I was So that's what I was going to ask. I'm, I, I want to do longer sets here in Barcelona yeah. now, but I was thinking the other day, like it'll actually be better for me to promote a solo show if people don't know that it's me doing it. Yeah. yeah. Because people see me all the time for yeah. free yeah. and I've seen, you know, virtually all my material except for the stuff I wrote last week. Yeah. But some people come just to see the one hour. How yeah. It looks to like. see how it all pieces and, together and stuff. And you know, when the, when I first did it in like one of the bars there, I had like you know, 15 people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not like a fucking you know it's, it's, it's enough Fine, to kind yeah, of try that's it out cool. yeah. Yeah, that's the a... second time I had like 22 great and uh, yeah it was enough to kind of the, the important part was uh, that I had the chance to you know go through it mm-hmm. and voice it out loud yeah. uh, to get a feel for it and be like oh okay now I've done 45 minutes and you know just have like knowing that you've hit the mark of 45 minutes means like okay now I just need to come up with like 10 15 minutes of material for and sure I'm like one hour and stretch it out yeah. yeah we used to have a show here that was great for this kind of thing because it was promoted by guys that know how to promote or mm. whatever. Well, they every week knew a brand new audience of like tourists and yeah and visitors, right? So not the great audience that you want, but it's a new fresh audience. And so we could do whatever we wanted, mm. and it kind of didn't matter because we weren't, you know, it's not like we we're gonna ruin uh, uh, some future audience for yeah. ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So I used to be able to do really long spots. I'd give other people mm. long spots and like. Fucker, just, just abuse the mic. <laughs> yeah, so I did all of my my first long long sets there. I remember I did uh, 
30 or 45 minutes on Christmas Day once there. Yeah, you and, was it you and Robert? Me and Rob, yeah. Robert Marquez, uh, for anyone listening. Uh, so one thing that we've, starting the clubhouse, that we've sort of been struggling with, I think both of us, is this balance between, you know, we're, we're upstairs one second and we're doing kind of the business side of things and serving drinks. And then, I mean, the other day I was literally pouring a pint and then I heard my name mm. getting called and I'm sort of running <laughs> right, downstairs right, right. and then I'm having to get a... And it's, it, it feels like quite a switch in, in yeah. what you're doing mentally going from organizing running promoting to the creative side of 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 being on stage and even writing uh Mm. material uh so how do you balance that do you have sort of strategies to figure that out or does it do you find that affects you uh it it does affect me because you can't i can't write while i'm fucking you know doing all this admin stuff so i have to find i have to block like a month for stuff to just stay and you know focus on writing that's why that's usually what i do like the the summer i just stay in berlin because mm-hmm. the problem is like you don't make that much money in the summer touring because it's already difficult to market. People, you know, the whole ad, Facebook ads thing requires people to look at their phones. But people have to at the beach, they're out, they're not looking at their phones. So August, less. bad month, basically. Yeah, that's why that's why a lot of people do the fringe. Uh, mm-hmm. They just go there. So basically, uh, what I want to do and what I did like in 2019 was July and August, I just stayed put in Berlin. Yeah. Didn't worry about any of the planning stuff. Uh, and I just did like shows, writing and stuff. So just go into the creative Stuff. Yeah, and not thinking about the ad, just yeah. doing spots where yeah, exactly, exactly. Just like oh, this material. didn't work. This worked. This didn't work. Come up with some other stuff and didn't worry about the other things. Yeah. So uh, when you're touring, then how how hard how many shows you pack into a week or how many cities? It's usually maybe like four. Okay. I think four is kind of the four cities in a week. Yeah, because it's like usually you do a show on Monday, maybe then another one on on Wednesday, uh, then Thursday, and then Sunday, because okay. you can't mm-hmm. get Friday Friday and Saturdays. Yeah. And then, during those days, you're you're during the day you're you're promoting everything. Right? Yeah, I'm promoting. I'm looking for other venues. I'm looking for it's a, a lot of work. Uh, so I don't do a lot of writing. Um, sometimes I spend a bit of time just kind of like. But the thing is, you a lot of the writing that happens afterwards happens on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know you record every set, uh, everything, and then be like, oh fuck, that was a good one. That should yeah, go back yeah, and write we'll it down. That. Yeah. So then a lot of the writing happens on stage, and then it's not new bit writing. It's just the other bits so getting refined. Polished. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Figuring out how they go. Because yeah. <clears throat> you, you go in there with like a core of what you want to have. And then as you keep saying it, you keep saying it, you're like, oh, this is another thing. Mm-hmm. And it works, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you try and write around cities when you go? Do you, do you say, you know, I'm going to Barcelona. Let's try and make a joke about, I don't know, tapas or pickpocketing or whatever. Not, yeah. not too much. Uh, I, I ended up like opening for Jim Gaffigan for a couple of shows. Uh-huh. Uh, but he was doing that actively. Yeah. And he was trying to write like 10 minutes on the city, which is like a difficult. Yeah, to he's he's yeah. good at that. He did yeah. that in Barcelona as well. Yeah, he was doing that. But like, I don't, I, I just don't have the time to research. You know, it's just, I'm just so tired. Yeah. <laughs> All the time that I just don't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much sure. time do you spend promoting then? I mean, most of the time, to be honest. So basically, most of the time spent is like the performance part is only like, like 2% of the whole shebang right because right. the other time is either traveling well that's why i got in this job i was like amazing you could have worked one hour a day and then like da, 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 da. i didn't realize that to get to that Not point anymore. i mean yeah i think you can potentially do that in the u.s which is great because you have all the stage time people are producing all the shows and the infrastructure is there yeah but not 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 in europe but, but only that's only accessible to the few you mm-hmm. know yeah so you know that's, yeah exactly it's like uh it, it's like a myth because then even now, like even if you're in the US, then let's say you're, yeah, you're performing, but then you need to do a podcast, then you need to do like some stuff for online. It's just so many other things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's just like, the, the, I fucking hate it to be honest. Like, you know, the whole promoting stuff and yeah. it's not, but no one's going to do it for me, right? Well, that's, yeah. it's a big 
sticking point for me. I really, truly, and I don't understand. It's very easy. Mm. It's clicking a mouse, right? right? It's not physically taxing at all, but like promoting shows, I just hate it. Yeah. I hate the, all, every aspect of it. Yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a different skill set, you know. And I resent Facebook for making me pay a ransom. Exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's all it is. They somehow were able to like insert themselves between us and audience, and then they say, "Well, if you want to reach these guys." Yeah, yeah, even the people that have chosen to follow you, they've gone out of their way to like your page and follow and subscribe, Facebook and you want to tell them about the, the events time, that they want to know about. The whole time, you're creating content for Facebook. You're working for them by pr- making yeah. posts that are interesting to other people. It's, yeah. it's a fucking... It's, it's a racket. It's, yeah. It's it a, is. It's a bunch of fucking criminals. However, this is a nice segue into the next... Uh, we, have, we got about 10 minutes yeah. left, and uh, you've become a social media star. I mean, this has only been because of the pandemic, right? Because like, mm-hmm. uh, so basically, what I want and an intrinsic level of talent. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, work. and also the materials. The, the <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, like, the pandemic really gave me time to kind of like just you know go for all my footage because I film every set. Uh, so mm-hmm. then I have like a I have this hard drive. I pay like hundred euros for it. It has like five terabytes. Yeah. Wow. And you can pull like five terabytes, a lot of space, right? So then I just feel I filmed every every stuff, everything that I had, and they were just kind of like there. And then the pandemic, uh, you know, somebody was like, "Why don't you go on TikTok?" And I was like. TikTok. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I started going at it. I watched it. It was pretty interesting. I was like, why don't I try to edit some stuff? And I put some stuff in there. And this is the great thing about TikTok. Like, we're just talking about Facebook. Facebook pays you a ransom to reach anybody, right? Mm-hmm. TikTok just shows it to, like, random people. Yeah. You, have, you can go from zero followers to, like, a thousand overnight because people it, interact on the value of your content. Uh-huh. That's great. I mean, it feels... Sometimes it feels like the new social media things that come out are easier for new people to access i guess that yeah. makes total sense yeah. but but facebook just Early is so adopter. locked in and everyone uses it so you're just stuck and, into using and it's, it yeah facebook owns instagram as well so it's the same fucking you know fucking asshole tactics yeah. um and youtube is also a super difficult animal to kind of crack because the, the, the problem with youtube and i've been trying to do it as well then you need that you need to be a video editor mm-hmm. right you know it's not you can be a comedian yeah okay fine you, it's about editing videos it's about understanding seo search engine optimization because sure. the only way you can get discovered on youtube is to do stuff about the the zeitgeist stuff that is currently present people are searching for right yeah people are already searching for it and you're like yeah. my reaction exactly. there's all these reaction videos exactly. all yeah that's why we reacted to eurovision you know have, you done, you, <laughs> have you done any paid it's working that's the crazy yeah, thing that's yeah, it whatever works do you do any paid promoted at posts or at videos i or? tried that yeah. doesn't work doesn't work doesn't work I'm very, I'm very curious about YouTube because I see it as a path for me. And one of the sticking points is the video editing, making it look like a professional To, to be honest, though, it's not even the video editing as much as it is the, the finding the topic to do. You yeah. know? So mm-hmm. like, you know, fuck, I don't have any interest in Eurovision, but yet I'm doing Eurovision reaction stuff, right? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a tool to grow your audience. And, uh-huh. and you're at like 10,000 subscribers now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of that, to be honest, that, a lot of that has come from uh tiktok because i always put like follow me on for full clips yeah because you know there's nobody Uh searching for me you know because then nobody knows that i exist always Uh in that situation so then after like i started putting videos on tiktok because tiktok actually pushes it to people that don't know you right that discovery there is good and then people were like whoa where can i see more where can i see the full clip and then i said well it's on my youtube and then they came from there to the youtube and they subscribed and the other amount of subscribers i'm getting now is from reacting to national anthems (laughs) which is in itself is insane. So you just listen to the national anthem of yeah, Poland no, thought, uh, or whatever and you're yeah, like, exactly. ah. yeah, well, this is not good. You know, like, talk some shit about it and then you know, like, get people enraged in the comments. Fuck you, Poland is great. You Kill look yourself. at a translation, you're like, why do they care and, about penguins and, so much? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I did one about Mexico and you know, why is the Mexican anthem so violent? And then, <laughs> uh, and then people are like, 10,000 views. 
organic. People are just discovering it. Yeah. And then people are explaining to me, Mexico, you know what Mexico's been through? You have no idea what my people have been, you know. This yeah, is- that's a weird thing, right? So yeah. so in terms of the content you release, often it seems like it's good to just piss people off a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah a little bit of drama. A little bit of drama goes a long way. And this is what YouTube is about. Like, it's, a, it's, it's about, like, you know, fights. People want to see drama. They're just naturally attracted to it. It's not great. It's not great for your comedy. It's not great for you if you get too much into the toxicity of it. Yeah. Uh, just that's, so that's a really kind of interesting thing. How do you balance between the content you want to create and the content that gets you clicks? Have you made a TikTok video where you do the silly little dances? No. no I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Lip syncing. When does I that happen? I mean, I, I use the TikTok tap. TikTok app and all I saw were like teenage girls. Yeah, right? yeah. We can agree that's all that that's all that's on there. It's and it's yeah, it's, it's hyper- what you search for, man. It's also <laughs> hypersexualized, right? Because extremely that's what people engage with. You know? At least and mine is. I don't know. The algorithm knows. Yeah, yeah. Middle aged male, it's like we'll show you. Yeah, and it's it's again it's like um, but then you know, people will scroll from that and then every now and then if they see that's the advantage because there's so many you know, like scandally clad girls, yeah. then suddenly there's a guy talking with subtitles. I was like, oh, let's see what this guy's saying. There's a, so in the science and medical fields, there's a couple of social media darlings. And they generally, they're either, they come up because they're cute while doing science or, or, or they're handsome doctors giving mm. advice, yeah. you know? And luckily, I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to fuck. That's it. Yeah. We'll see. And then TikTok, they want to fuck under it. Okay. So with TikTok then, is this a source of income yet? Yeah, I mean, basically, they don't pay that much. You, after uh, 10,000 follow, I think after 10,000 followers, you can monetize. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have like about 232 followers over a couple of... 1,000, 232,000. Yeah, that's the difference between your TikTok yeah, and mine. Yeah, 230K, but I've only made like 500 euros. Okay, uh, but they, is that not through sponsor? Is that no, a sponsor it's post? Through, it's they just... have like this program called the Creator Fund, and they, they allocate you money based on... Uh, but I haven't done any sponsor posts. And yeah. YouTube's not... Monetized, yeah. I monetized, but I only made like about a hundred euros there because people watch ads of it, and you have to reach a thousand followers and four thousand watch time. Nobody's knocking on your door to. No, this 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 the ad, this is the thing. It's like monetizing all this other stuff is you need either to subscribe to join an agency, but what agency can I join? There's no particular. Agency. You haven't tried Patreon yet. I have a Patreon. So I have like five patrons. Okay. That's oh, crazy. hey, nice. Right. Twenty-five euros a month. Sick. But you, t- you, know, you've tended towards the more free to air stuff, right? Yeah, a lot of people the, focus strongly on the Patreon. I because the thing is, Patreon is again is another, uh, it's another form of content where you're making it directly for these people, and mm-hmm. um, it's 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 I, I I what I need now is not uh, you know keep it nice and cl- I just need more people to know about me, right? So I'm happy to put out more stuff for free, uh, so people can just discover it and be like, oh, yeah. this guy exists, you know. And then, you know, once it kind of reaches a larger number that can be monetized, then go on that. Then, you know, mm-hmm. I've thought about merch as well. And like, but this is, again, <clears throat> it's another skill set that I need to develop and focus on. That's going to yeah. take me away from comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so you're you, doing like three different jobs at once now. Exactly. You're a manager, you are an agent, and, uh, and the talent. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm also the editor, yeah. And, and like the editor. The yeah. editor stuff. And so it's a lot of things in one. And there's only so many things you can humanly, humanly possibly do. Yeah. So that's the thing is I was thinking like if the shows go back to normal and I start selling more and I started making a bit more money like the first priority would be to hire an editor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because uh, you know maybe paying like a thousand for eight hundred or something per month like just to edit the videos just to do that that's yeah weird. that's what we want to do as well we want someone to sit in a corner and do that for yeah like because one day a week that you know the that's that's that increases discoverability right I've found it so hard to find one. I've I've gone. I haven't even gone, started the like, search, but it's great to hear that. It's I, <laughs> no, man, like a I, long and hard journey ahead of you. I managed to get an easy online 
job, and so now I have a little bit of cash to spend on my comedy yeah. career, and I'm trying to go around getting people to do the shit I don't want to do. It's it's running a business. Yeah, it's like just being the the comedian is not enough. Just mm -hmm. writing no. funny jokes is not enough. It's so it's obnoxious. Yeah, it's, it's really a lot of it's a lot of things, but like you know, you can complain about it, or you can just shut the fuck up and <laughs> well, put your head down and do. I'm trying to shut the fuck up and pay somebody to do this. Yeah, and it's been. I, I, people have said yes and then just not and you know it. I'm sure that what's gonna happen is you're gonna find somebody you're gonna pay them and they're gonna create absolute trash and you're gonna yeah. waste the first salary yeah like, fuck, I have to go. say though the people of Fiverr seem to be um, Fiverr is just another one of these apps that yeah. put you between the whoever you need and you know the uh -huh. thing you need but um, I got them to do some what is it OBS overlays right and it was super quick right. well done some dude in India right yeah, Fiverr might be a way to get a lot of stuff yeah. done if you found a, the right person on Fiverr and you just started working. Well, with them. I, the thing is that I want to find somebody on Fiverr and then get off of the app and then you know just pay them directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah, exactly. That's just another area that I need to look into. But I mean, if, like I guess like the you know the number one thing that pays the bills is writing the good jokes, right? So I need to create more content because you know the, the problem at the moment. No, what pays the bills is paying Facebook in order to, for yeah. them to yeah. put yeah. you. Because once they bought the tickets, whether your jokes were good yeah. or not, they yeah. already paid. Yeah. You know, it's, mm -hmm. you might it, not be able to play that city again under whatever yeah. name of the show you. But the um, yeah, the situation is basically that uh, you know you want to the the, even the stuff on TikTok like that is the best is the material, right? Yeah. And you know now during the pandemic, I was forced to kind of put everything on. So basically, all my I've, all my recorded jokes are now online and on TikTok. Right. Because okay. it was an investment in growing the fan base, right? So now, for example, I need to go on tour, but I don't have any new jokes. Yeah. So, so do you think that big fans of yours come to your shows and then are like, ah, oh, come on, Dragos, I've it's... already seen all that stuff on TikTok. A little bit. There will be a bit of that. Mm -hmm. There will. Be. And then you know, there's. I have like well, I don't know, like in terms of. Uh, Crowd work plus material. There's about like 2.5 hours of content out there, you know, okay. from my side. So I don't think not everyone will have watched everything. Yeah. So there'll be like a small majority that will. And do if that. they have, they'll just really like you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So then, but then the, what you I was thinking of money. doing basically for the for the next show, I was thinking of doing half an hour of crowd work and uh -huh. half an hour of material. Cool. And yeah. then that's you know it's less stress to do half right half an hour. And you can churn out crowd work videos yeah, every okay. single day exactly. like yeah, no yeah, problem. Exactly. Yeah, you can just talk to people. You know, and even with the crowd work, you know, it's, it's, it gets repetitive. Like if I keep putting it online, what job do you do? You know, where are yeah, you from? Yeah, sure. So I need to figure out. Uh, that's what I was thinking the other day. Actually, I need to figure Watching out. Watching Judah Friedlander was amazing because it turned he his latest kind of specials seem like they're all crowd work, but mm. they're really written. Right. Because you if if you ask a question, you get the same questions back, and it's right. crazy to me. Yeah, there's a set, there's a limited amount of uh, answers he's going to get for the questions yeah. he's answering. So he, he was t touring around Europe when we saw him, or when you pr yeah. produced his show, yeah. uh, and that was all he was doing. He was just using like small places like Barcelona to farm material, to yeah. farm to farm jokes, basically. Uh, which is once you get to that level, you can do that, and it's amazing, you know. Well, we're we're at the we're almost at the thirty five minute mark. Um, yeah. So I think we're about done. Okay, I mean, yeah, basically, if, uh, just to kind of wrap it up, uh, with regards to the crowdwork stuff, like I'm thinking of new ways to like also ask questions for crowdwork. So mm -hmm. I was thinking of maybe, you know, it's kind of like sewing in, sewing in, is that right? Sewing. Sewing in yeah. some stuff about like, you know, current social events, because like, those will get more virality on YouTube and you know, I can, so that's what I was thinking of the crowdwork, like, oh, what do you think about Eurovision? Were you always comfortable with crowdwork? Because the idea of dedicating 30 minutes to it. Not yeah, at all. that's impressive. Takes that my, impressive. my breath away, like, uh, not at all, not at all. Yeah. I was like super terrified, especially the first year, like 2018, I was only doing straight up material. Yeah. But then I saw like Andrew Schultz do crowd work. 
Mm-hmm. And then I was like, fuck, I can do it. His, his crowd work is insane. Some of those yeah. crowd work videos. Oh, he's another one of these like, kind of self-made Yeah, Yeah, yeah with the pandemic. Yeah. You and Andrew Schultz. But the thing is, with, uh, with Andrew Schultz's crowd work as well, like if you, the more you do crowd work, the more you realize it's not that... His, his, his crowd work is not that high level. Right, it's he just very, knows you know, the moves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's not like, for example, I was like, okay, I've seen people do better crowd work than Andrew Schultz, and you know, they're less famous. So I was like, you know, if I get work this muscle, so I just started, you know, doing the hosting in Berlin, and I was hosting the open mics, and you know, the crowd mm-hmm. work started getting better and better, and then I got more confident, and I was like, okay, but it is a bit of a risk, but I feel like I can, you know, I can work around with the with the crowd work. It's just with the crowd work, you just have to figure out what smart questions to ask. Sure, like very open questions, and be like, you know, what's uh, who do you hit at your job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and then like, well, I hate my manager. Why is he like sexually harassing? Or, like, you know, yeah, or, get into get yeah. in some some weird areas. Quite. Yeah, exactly. They they do that, that prank that they do where they put like you know a little dirt in your keyboard and the fucking forest grows out. <laughs> you know? oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, that's like the classic oh, classic trick, like chia seeds or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was actually um, worse. They put like you know jizz in your keyboard. <laughs> um, see, so hey, this is a family podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you described comedy to me the other day I was asking mm-hmm. about the content you put online and you sort of said look it's a content game or like comedy is, yeah. is sort of a game which I think is quite a good way to think about it some people call it uh, art form or, or a mm-hmm. craft or the sort of different names people use for it but think, thinking of it as a game it seems to be the way that you're doing it yeah. and kind of producing so much online stuff mm-hmm. on, on Facebook and on TikTok yeah. and getting reviews for every single yeah, show yeah, on, yeah. Your, on your Facebook uh, Facebook reviews. I think it was uh, the show that I I performed at. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was doing Facebook review for that because it was social proof, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, people will come to something because other people have said it's good. For sure. Yeah. For so sure. you need to kind of stack up on those as much as possible. And I, I was doing this before because I was reading some books on marketing. Yeah. But now basically with the TikTok stuff, it's uh, you know the algorithm. Like this TikTok reward, the more stuff you put out, the more they show it. Yeah. And uh, I think also there's like a little, you know, people don't they don't have people don't have as high a quality filter as you think they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. you know they don't they okay well they see one good thing it's like okay cool they'll give you another chance you know and they're like oh this was shit this was shit but then it's another good thing they're like okay let's see what's so then they, at that point they're like let's see the journey how what how the process works right and then they would like to see how things evolve yeah and so get, the, the dragos ethos is just shovel it out yeah the more and the, try and to improve it's the the more the Seems more like a, the sorry. more quantity you put out the better you get at get at creating it yeah. so yeah the, you know, quantity I, leads to quality. I put that, I've worded that in the, the word, meanest way possible. I apologize. No, it's completely, but it's true. I've put out, I've put out some like, you know, I, I oh, for my opinion, I put out some like, you know, really shitty trash out there. Yeah. yeah. So but I was then, thinking about this as well. And, yeah. and people, like, it's sort of a psychological phenomenon. Yeah. The more time you spend with a person, exactly, the more you exactly, like exactly. them, even though they haven't changed, they're not doing anything different. So people just seeing you on a daily basis, exactly. they, they get exactly. on TikTok exactly. and like, ah, oh, it's the dog yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. see yeah. what he's yeah. up to, exactly. you know? Exactly. And it's also the situation where like, you know, if you only put shit out, <laughs> this guy's a fucking, you know, hack or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you put like something really good, like the material is usually the stuff that they really like, uh, they're like, oh, okay. And then they say like, okay, this is not as good. Meaning like, look, he's not, fucking you know this perfectionist monster right he's not like god level. yeah he's just he's giving it a go he's throwing yeah, it out you know, it makes a, you seem more human it's a process you know yeah, yeah. and people like seeing comedians bomb as well so yeah. one of the ones you posted recently on instagram was yeah. like bombing again in barcelona exactly, good yeah. to be bombing again <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah, it was yeah. and they're like oh look they're not you know it's not they're not just like these like fucking you know they should pill chris because you see, when you see like these old specials these you only see these guys killing right mm-hmm. yeah so it's like how am i supposed to start comedy when this guy's like here, like there's no, I've never seen this guy, you know, yeah, do shit. Sure. I've never seen Bill Burr eat shit or bomb, right? So like, right. 
discourages just people from actually even entertaining the idea that they could do it. Uh -huh. But if you see somebody doing great and that's doing super shit, they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I, this might be something that I could do, right? So you worry that a lot of people will see you on TikTok and think that they can do it and then you'll like flood the market <laughs> with people chasing their dreams. We need a certain amount of accountants to fund. It's exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Not everybody be, can be a comedian. And you know, it's the idea of like, if you're going to flood the market with want to be comedians that are going to bring their friends to shows. True. Yeah. True. So you'll just wait them out basically, starve yeah. them out. They'll come to shows, they'll be excited yeah. at first, yeah. but most people will come and do comedy five times and then exactly. they'll Exactly. Like, oh, this is not up. for me, but they might stick around as comedy fans. Uh-huh. So then, like, that's why I say, like, you know, everybody should do comedy. Sure. Not, not everybody should be a comedian, but they should do it. You know, <laughs> do it once. Take it off. Bring, bring your friends to a show. Yeah. Everybody should come to the comedy clubhouse, have some yeah. drinks, give it a go. And then, you know, let's see what happens, man. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> All right. I think that's, uh, we're pushing the time limit for the constructing the clubhouse comedy yeah. podcast. Quick shout out to Moss Tones for letting us use all of his equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, we're recording from my house, the muscle pad today. So thanks, Moss. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Shout out to Zach who stitches uh, this producer together. who's absent yeah. but missed, and of course our special guest Dragos Christian. What's um what's coming up for you? We're, well, we're, what's next? Back to Berlin. Yeah. We're going back to Berlin. Uh, they're lifting some of the restrictions on the twenty first, mm -hmm. and we're hoping to uh, you know go back to doing open mics. Nice. And uh, yeah, I guess the the plan would be like you know maybe go to Vienna do some shows in Prague. But to be honest, I just would like to stay in Berlin for the summer mm -hmm. and just you know set up all the open mics possible and just get back into the groove. You know, just sure. film more stuff. Well, then hit the road in the fall. That's the plan. Yeah, because like you know, basically once the weather starts souring, people are more inclined to you know go inside a venue and drink and you know enjoy comedy. And the, the best months for me have always been like October. November when it's getting cold there's not much to do right and people are happy to come to the show and you know and, and spend money and summer has always been a tough to kind of get people to the shows okay. nobody wants to be in a hot venue um, when it's sunny outside right? although the comedy clubhouse has three air conditioners enormous wow. they are three, enormous one for every room extremely yeah. rare extremely in Barcelona it's yeah it's the <clears throat> crown jewel yeah Dragos where can we follow you uh, you can follow me at Dragos Comedy on all platforms. I've made sure to change it to Dragos Comedy everywhere so there's no confusion. Well done. Um, I've changed. I used to, it used to be Dragos Christian Comedy, but a lot of people thought I was doing Christian comedy, <laughs> <laughs> which was a problem because like, yeah. I lost a couple of venues <laughs> because we don't do religious stuff here. That's so funny. So, yeah. That's great. It's uh, so just Dragos Comedy everywhere. You can uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and uh, I, have a, I have a subreddit now. Do you? Dragos hey. Comedy subreddit. Someone else creates a subreddit for you, I right? created my own subreddit. You created your own subreddit. <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah, no, it's not usually people, it's fans created. Okay. But am I going to wait around for the, you know, for the for the fans that are... Yeah, why wait around for someone to believe in you? Believe in yourself exactly. and create and a sub? 700 members. Of hey, that's decent. That's yeah. nice. I'm on Reddit. I'll follow you on there. Yeah, there that's you go. cool. There you go. And it's just me posting my clips, but there's upvotes every now and then. So that's a win. <laughs> that's a win. You have to be your biggest cheerleader. You get that self-esteem boost yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. That's the attitude. All oh. right. Fantastic. What a way to end. Uh, well, that's it for us at the Comedy Clubhouse podcast crew. <laughs> You've been listening to Constructing the Clubhouse. I've been Dr. Matthew. And I've been John Atlas. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye.